Tyler Smith, and this is More Than One Lesson, episode 49, almost episode 50, and why not two and a half years in, uh, almost at uh, 50 episodes. Um, So uh, I think, okay, yes, I did want to say thanks to uh, the people that wrote in regarding our episode about horror movies. Um, I knew that the the topic would probably get some sort of reaction, and it's been mostly positive, so uh, I appreciate that. Uh, I'll go ahead and bring in my co-host, Josh Long. Josh, how you doing? Hi, everyone. I, just, I wanted everyone to know that I often tell Tyler that we should always start with a number, and when I've been saying that, I've meant like a musical number, which, uh, yeah. which is partially sarcastic, but uh, Tyler does always start with a number. Yeah. It's, it's the episode number that we're on. I don't know why I started doing that, um, because who cares, really? No, it's a pizza but reference. I've been doing it for like 30 episodes. It's so people can tell. If they're not looking at the thing, they're like, which one is this? Oh, 49. Got Thank it. you, Tyler. There we go. All right. That's a good way to spin it. Okay. So uh, this episode, uh, I know that we always say that we want to keep it short, but this one we have to keep short, so I want to just jump right in. Uh, we have a guest. He's a filmmaker. His name? Dan Paris. I was going to say is Dan Paris. I was leaving a pause for effect, and you ruined it. You looked at me. I know. I was about to cue you. I had my cue me my... for cue me for me to respond. Yeah, on the podcast visually without saying anything to you saying my name. Yeah, okay. it's a, this is all you know. It's theater of the mind. They don't know that I'm about to point at you. <laughs> Tyler likes to make secret signs and things like that. Yeah, I got a sign for you, buddy. Yeah, I know. I'm not going to do it. though. How many times have you talked about having like a radio face on the thing? I feel like that's like just a a, a constant joke. Like a, anybody, like a face for radio. Anybody? Yeah. Anybody who does things that are non-visual, just yeah. And we're just like, hey, you got a face for radio. It's like you know, you called me ugly, right? Like uh, you're being a jerk. Yeah, people say that to me. That's but not it, true. You just it softens it. the blow if you make it into a joke. Well, I wasn't saying that. I was just saying it's a funny joke. Usually, you make it about yourself to be humble. If you're like really good looking, you say you got a radio face. But oh, is that how it works? I think so. You say it, but then people are like, oh no, you don't. You're actually kind of good looking. Oh, we should like this false hum- hum- humility. Humility, I think, is the word you're looking for. Whatever. <laughs> I'm a filmmaker. I'm not a <laughs> talker. I don't need to know talkins. <laughs> I'm a filmmaker, not a talker. Well, then this is this next uh, 45 minutes to an hour <laughs> yeah. is going to go great. Um, okay, so we're here to talk about a film that you have made called. Give a damn. There was a point. I pointed at you. There was a point, and I waited. Okay. I'm trainable, dude. All right. So, um, so yeah, uh, let's... Uh, I, I'm reluctant to say all this because we just recorded an episode of Battleship Pretension, which will be going up a week after this. 
But part of me is like, ah, I've already said all this. Do you want me to do I the haven't. quick pitch and get people so they know what they're doing? So you don't right. Have to... Yes. Because I've only Go done right it a couple ahead. hundred at a time, so you've done it <laughs> once. And so I understand yeah. your pain, so I should have to do it again. <laughs> That's not true. I've had to do it several times. I made the pitch to Josh. Yes, this man should be on our show. He deserves to be on our show. I know you haven't heard of him. Uh, I did the same thing with David. It's like, look, I know you don't want to watch this movie or talk to this person, but here's what it's about. <laughs> is that actually... That is no. actually... Okay. <laughs> wow, because... Well, David doesn't want to watch any movies or talk to any people. Oh, That's really? do I, so... Oh really, yeah. Tyler? Tyler's. I'm on the fence. Actually, are you the guy who does the? You're kind of working with the people, huh? Absolutely. They're I, just the artists that show up and do their thing. Exactly. Okay. Podcast I'm a facilitator. Artists. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So you uh, you've you've got this down to a science. Just yeah, I got talking it, I about got the film. Okay, begin. So the film is about me and two friends trying to live on a dollar twenty-five a day on three continents: America, Europe, and Africa. We try to live. In extreme poverty, because the definition of extreme poverty is that 1.4 billion people live on a dollar twenty-five a day. So we started in St. Louis on July 6, 2009, hitchhiked across America, stayed in abandoned buildings, homeless shelters, cornfields, that kind of thing. Then we flew to Europe, and um, you know the flight didn't count as part of the dollar twenty-five. And then we traveled from London to Greece. We interviewed people in the United Nations, um, did all kinds of crazy stuff, went to gypsy villages, and then we flew to Africa and tried to live. You know, I don't know if you want me to talk. You may address what happened in Africa. Sure. And then, so the second day we were in Africa, I went to the second largest slum in Africa that I went to six years earlier to show Rob, or four years earlier, show Rob what it was like. The, and Rob's Rob, one of the other. Yeah, and I'll, I'll get to one element of the story is that two of us are Christians and activists, and the other guy was an atheist guy who just happened to not really know if it was his responsibility to do anything. And so the whole film was trying to get him to, to act, to ask the mm-hmm. question, should I give a damn? What? Oh, you like that? Yeah. And so, but the third day we were in Africa, we were flying over that slum, and the plane crashed. Mm. I could get into the drama of that, but if you see the film, it's a very dramatic plane crash. Both the pilot and the engineer both passed away, and me and Rob lived, and he actually saved my life. And the third character, David, who was not on the plane, um, ended up staying in Africa while me and Rob both went back with just um, Rob with emotional injuries, me with physical injuries. And David stayed in Africa for three and a half months, went across six countries, um, you know, trying to live in extreme poverty and experience mm-hmm. it. And so the films, you can describe what the film is, but basically mm-hmm. it's this adventure documentary about um, three friends, you know, and just their different perspectives and trying to, we just try to finish what we started, you know, this vision to make a difference, you know. All right. Well, that, uh, that certainly does uh, sum it up. And so we're going to have to, go back and talk about a lot of those things uh, individually but um and and maybe people should know like it's been in the it premiered at the heartland film festival right. it's playing san luis international film festival so it's not your buddy that made it in his garage that's kind of like shot with right. the, it's it's yeah people can uh people that aren't your friends are seeing it yes <laughs> and uh and even some of your friends uh, aren't seeing it so it all works out i don't know what i meant by that <laughs> But um, no, some people just don't. Yeah, I've I've really good friends that I got my one of my really good friends just saw it for the first time like yesterday. Do you ever find whether it be you know your film or a friend's film, and this is a I'll throw this out to anybody, and it could be or like a friend's band or something. A friend is putting something out there and like I want you to you know hey what do you think and you're just like oh my gosh I don't. It's like I don't want to see this. I don't want to listen to their band because then I have deniability. I can say I don't know what I think. I haven't heard it yet. I haven't <laughs> seen your movie yet because you're not sure if it'll be good. Have you ever run across that? No, I'm a big supporter of like anything, okay. and I just like all about like 
just trying to get the you know if i can tell they can't handle the criticism i'll just try to say the best thing possible okay and um i've definitely experienced it though that probably friends that don't want to see my film because they're afraid that dan's big dream kind of sucks you know (laughs) (laughs) dan's big dream sucks the dream itself uh not even the execution of it um but uh yeah there's there's a lot of elements to the film that i that i wanted to talk about um you know the filmmaking itself what you know kind of what spurred you to actually make this film and of course i do want to talk about some of the spiritual ramifications but i'll probably get to that later uh as of right now what i will say is um what made you want to do this i mean obviously we all hear about poverty in africa and poverty here and and people oh people live on this amount of day and you just think like wow that's really unfortunate i can't imagine that and thankfully i don't have to the end and that's basically where it ends and so like what what uh what caused you to actually want to do something yeah i'd say it's two major things um I always considered myself a Christian growing up, but I didn't really live it or didn't even know what it was all about. I wasn't like a churchgoer, that kind of thing. And as a, a really punk kid most of my teenage years, you know, and just mostly focused on myself and my needs and that kind of thing. And when I was 16, I became a Christian. And I got involved in the church, and I started hearing about mission trips and mm-hmm. people going to Africa. And this girl came back. She's like, I spent the summer in Africa. I'm like, you can do that? That sounds awesome, you know? <laughs> and I saw the footage of Africa, and it wasn't just giraffes and lions. It was like these beautiful kids and just a really fascinating place and so i'd always wanted to go there and then so in 2005 that girl who showed the footage actually took our church on a trip there and so we went to the second largest slum in africa called kibera about a million people live within two and a half square miles um just really dark no no paved roads no plumbing you know no sewers just a um, in a lot of ways a really rough place and beautiful people um but it really impacted me and i came home and i was like oh man i've seen people living on a dollar a day like the infomercials how do i live now when coffees are four dollars and they taste really good and mm-hmm. i like them and <laughs> but i know i could not get one deny my own pleasure and get a you know give my friend money and that i know in africa so that dilemma started the, it was the catalyst for the process i think i'm gonna make a film and the film kind of was a bunch of different things for a while but once rob got involved and it became i was like i gotta make this entertaining i gotta sell it and i think he's gonna be one of the angles to do that you know mm-hmm. um and and so your decision to dollar twenty five a day hitchhiking to New York and then flying to London, correct? Yes. And uh, and of course, well, flights cost more than a dollar twenty five a day. But I think I think it came out that basically anything that had to do with sort of making the film itself, like the technical element, go ahead and spend the money on that. Whether yeah. it be like you know booking the airplane, uh, you know. Uh, yeah, like chartering the airplane that eventually, you know, wound up, uh, you know, crashing and, mm-hmm. and getting flights and that sort of thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not even totally sure where to start right now um, because there's so much. Um, because, as you mentioned, like, you're... It's a pretty dense story. That's a lot. Ha- there's, there's a lot like, going mm-hmm. on. Yeah. And there's a lot of different angles because there's, you know, the, the activism and kind of the, the social justice angle. But then there's also... The spiritual angle, because as you mentioned, you're a Christian. This guy David is a Christian, and this guy Rob uh, was an atheist, and so he was also a former Christian. Like he, yeah, he, he was we worked in, in youth ministry together. He wasn't yeah. raised. He was actually not a Christian until he was like 18. He was Christian for about two or three years. Oh, okay. And we okay. did youth ministry together. Yeah, we were, he, Dave, we were David's youth leader, the third character's youth leader. Yeah, and then he he left the faith. And that's 
and that in itself is interesting because um, it leads to this this question of you know, and you and I were talking about it earlier that uh, this idea that I think a lot of people, a lot of Christians they see Christianity as, well, this is really the only way that you're going to get anything done because we're, you know, we're based in God and Jesus and morality. And so we do good things. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, these atheists over here or people that don't believe in God, they don't, they don't do any good things because they have no reason to, you know, and something like this acknowledges that, well, Rob is doing something good. Um, he's admittedly, he's kind of going back and forth and kind of wondering like, well, what, People are living in poverty. What does that have to do with me? Um, but he still does it. And he does, you know, several very good things, very selfless things throughout the film. And meanwhile, there are plenty of Christians out there. I'd say very, you know, possibly well-off American Christians. Uh, and I don't mean to, you know, be disparaging of, of anybody, but who probably do kind of, they might, kind of take a political angle and be like, well, you know, just as long as someone can take care of themselves, that's, that's how everything will work out. Um, just kind of take care of your own house and be nice to the people and that sort of thing. And it doesn't really require anything of them. And so that's one of the dynamics of the film that I find interesting, not to imply that you and David are that obviously not, but, uh, but that's something that I find interesting. Um, but, uh, but we'll get to, We'll explore that a little bit further uh, in a moment. But um, I'm trying to think like from a – because you're a film guy and you th- and you realized if I'm going to do this, it definitely needs to be a film. Um, did that – Well, I guess I'm maybe okay. the question you're sort of asking is like was the idea – that you wanted to make a film about something? Did, did that come first? Or was it like, I want to do something about this. I'll use a film to document it. Like what, what kind of, which came first, the film mm-hmm. or the idea to help? Honestly, I think the film came first. Okay. I think I looked at myself. I'm like, I want to be a filmmaker. What's the most important thing in the world? Cause I probably should make a movie about that. And I think the most, <laughs> the worst thing going on in the world is that people, you know, 1.4 billion people live on a dollar a day that, that there's kids dying and we can fix it, you know, with malaria medicine that costs a dime, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like, I, I tried to assess for me every issue in the world and think about what do I think is the worst issue? And honestly, I think the worst issue is that, is that people don't know God, that they're not in a relationship with their creator, right. you know? But I'm like, how do you make a movie about that? I don't want to make a Christian movie. I think the call to bring people towards Christ is about showing them us fighting for justice mm-hmm. and taking care of the orphans and widows. And, um, so basically I wanted to make a, a film that impacted the kingdom. I wanted to make a film that I thought mattered. I wanted to make a film that I think I could afford. So get a documentary, makes it cheaper. Make it about me and my friends who I don't really have to pay, at least, you know, <laughs> so far we haven't got paid. And uh, I was like, well, we can, we can make this happen. So, yeah, I mean, I never really thought about that. But film came before, and it, they kind of work together, you know, but yeah. – that's the priority. I'm like, I'm gonna, be, I'm not gonna start a nonprofit after I make this movie. I'm gonna continue to make more films. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna support nonprofits, but yeah. right. And and you were able to fund the film through donations, I believe, right? Like people. Uh, yeah, we did over 36 fundraisers, like three dozen fundraisers. The average gift was about a hundred dollars. The largest demographic of givers were 20 year olds. Hmm. Wow. So 44 percent of our film, before like just production, pre-production was entirely funded by one of my friends who's like a year older than me. <laughs> And actually, that, that kind of, 
I, I I might be heading down a bad road by asking this. Do you have any uh, theory as to why only twenty year olds? Uh, not only, but the biggest demographic were twenty year olds, and maybe not people that were older and might have been in a better financial position to to help. I think our generation connected with our idea. We we put out goofy videos beforehand. Mm-hmm. You know, we people said. I think older people were like, "Are these guys legitimate? You know, mm-hmm. are they trustworthy?" And I felt like I did everything to prove to them that I was trustworthy, mm-hmm. but it didn't kind of quite matter. The, mm-hmm. the economic crisis happened at that time too, so people weren't really interested in investing and that kind of thing. No. Don't get me wrong. People did of all ages invest, but I think our generation is this I want to change the world generation, right. and I think they saw an opportunity to do something. you know. Mm-hmm. And I've, just getting checks from you know friends from high school for $400, I'm like, are you serious? Like, no. <laughs> I don't know. We, we tapped into something when we – our film was also kind of a movement in a sense, and we and, and it caught people's people got it. We we reached them, you know. We knew how to speak their language, I think, and that's it was kind of crazy. And I think it's also a lesson. Like everybody looks at like look for the gray haired guy with all the money and you know <laughs> that kind of thing. And that's just spread your vision, and yeah. the people who will believe in it will come. You know. Did you uh, now? I think that we see a little bit of the fundraising actually in the film, and it. it I was under the impression, at least, that a lot of your your um, fundraising was targeted towards churches or church groups or christian groups is that the case or am i yeah i mean we spoke to a lot of youth groups my my church that i became a christian in chesterfield presbyterian was uh probably the biggest group of funders really and uh they really supported and yeah churches were were you know the biggest the biggest ones we did up some college events and we sold some t-shirts and that kind of thing but yeah i would say the film was primarily funded through churches or people who attend churches that kind of thing Mm -hmm. Um, and so I want which was to, a roadblock with our name, you know, like we yeah, could have okay. done crazy amount of fun. I mean, we could have gotten touch into, on that later. We could have got into so go. many churches if the only church we get into were the ones we actually attended and uh, ones that we had friends who worked at or attended. I mean, there weren't. If we would have sent like an email blast, like, "Hey, check this out," it wouldn't have worked. You know, if we mm-hmm. would have just shown up without a personal connection, mm-hmm. it's just kind of how the churches work with the the dam and the name. Yeah. Did you feel like? Like, was there ever a time when you were like, you know what, let's just change it? Like, was it, was it ever worth it to you? Or, I, I mean, I think it's important. It must be important to you that like that the name set up a roadblock for you, but you stuck with it. So I, I'm, I assume that that's an important to you, and I'd love to hear. Yeah, definitely. About, yeah, uh, you know. the the name was definitely a roadblock, and we didn't really legitimately think about changing the name until just recently. Um, once we kind of finished a rough cut of the film, we started showing it or sending sent out to festivals and showing it. The response was really, you know, seven film festivals rejected it. Uh, no grants from like three different grants. Test screenings just it got better and better, but it still like wasn't where we thought it was, and hmm. just kind of felt like the film was a failure. We felt like we just felt like what's holding the film back from whatever market. We explored the name, and I had friends who were really involved with the project who were like, "I don't, I think the name is like not glorifying to God or whatever," and I feel convicted by it. And so it was, I was trying to to grow a custom. I didn't really care what everybody else thought. Yeah, I cared more about the people close to me that were really invested in the project, what they thought. That was the most. That was the only thing that really influenced me because the churches, one thing I was like, well, there's got to be people out there who will believe in us. And I like stirring it up. Like a lot of people like, if they don't like something, like they leave it to find something they do like. Mm-hmm. I like going to the thing I don't like and just stirring everything up, you know? Mm-hmm. And I thought, give a damn. Like I want to challenge people. That idea that, do you care more about the name or more about the issue? Like does yeah. cuss, is a cuss word really, is cussing really the thing we need to be focused on? I just feel like Christianity for so long has been known by what we don't do. We don't drink, smoke, or dance, or hang out with those who do. When I think 
a much better witness is to show what we do do, that we fight for the poor, that we speak up for the marginalized, those who can't speak for themselves, that we um, are an intellectual, mm-hmm. um, that kind of thing. And so I was really passionate about the name, and uh, it was just really catchy. Like, it was just mm-hmm. very, I think, good marketing, you know? Well, I think there, there's a lot, there's actually a lot to the name. First off, I believe the first swear word, to the first phrase to incorporate a, a swear word on film was, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Is that correct? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, and so... It was a huge deal. Yeah. yeah. That's a, a funny story to me. My uh, my grandfather one time in talking about... Uh, someone brought up Gone with the Wind, and he sarcastically said, is that that movie with all that foul language in it? <laughs> he sarcastically said that, yeah, right? Yeah, sarcastic. Okay, good for, good for him. Um, but, you know, and, and it's... So not only is there a film connection, but it's kind of interesting that uh, that not only... And when I say interesting, I think I'm... I mean to say infuriating, but uh, <laughs> but it's also interesting. Fury often is uh, that uh, that churches even now, in spite of the fact that you are a Christian, Christianity is openly discussed in the film in a positive way. You are trying to affect change, and not merely do they have a problem with swearing; they have a problem with a title that. It, that is a direct reference. It's not a reference to it, but is connected to the very first instance of swearing on film, and they still have a problem with it. And it's something that is often very angering to me. It's it's failing to see the you know the woods for the trees. I think. And you talk to any people who work um, in Christian film, or probably in film in general. Christians go see the same movies as everybody else sees. Mm-hmm. They 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 go see Iron Man. They go see other things. They have the stuff that. But when you say you're a Christian, they expect you not to be that, even though they're going to watch movies with that content in there. I mean, at mm-hmm. least the majority of them. And I think, and I think the majority of Christians aren't really the issue. I think the problem with churches is that we're trying to please everybody, and um, you really you can't. You know, like if you mm-hmm. try to please everybody, you end up pleasing nobody. You know, mm-hmm. and so we had to really focus on who is our target. No, and that's who we should care about. And and then this recently when the name change came up, it was like, I don't really always f- like really feel like an artist so much. A lot of times I re- describe myself as a preacher with a camera, which I don't even really like saying that because it has such a bad connotation to it, mm-hmm. you know? But honestly, I just feel like I have messages and I like, I love film and I want to do that, but not like I'm this artist that's doing all these visually cool things. But uh, I did feel like, as a filmmaker, am I going to bend towards people? Am I going to change the name that I feel like really fits and is really great because all these other people want it changed? And it's like, no, I, w- I want to be true to my own conscience, you know, mm-hmm. you know, just like meat sacrificed to idols and stuff it talks about. Um, if I don't feel convicted, why am I adjusting for everybody else's conviction? That is a, yes. That Maybe is I fair. should. I, I wrestle with that. Maybe I should be able convicted about this name. And I just don't. I don't know. Like, I, I feel conv- I, like I don't, the movie's not for kids. It's not for like eight-year-old kids, you know. It's for right. high school, college kids. And I think they've already heard plenty of cuss words and I don't know college <laughs> yeah anywhere <laughs> yeah and this and the uh, this pg title somehow is probably not gonna not gonna knock them off track spiritually and frankly if it is it's i'm gonna say it was just a matter of time <laughs> um and and i don't mean to be glib about that but there are because i do understand that you know for some people i don't think it's probably a function of you know swear words but you know something 
starting down a bad path can start with something kind of small. I understand that, but that that to me is is the big thing. And hey, in high school, I was the same way. Like I didn't swear. I I when I would write scripts about characters that are not Christian, they wouldn't swear, and my scripts would definitely suffer as a result. Um, but I was but, oh, but I, you just don't do it. And as time has gone on, and I certainly, I would venture to say that I, I swear a bit more casually than I should in my everyday life, because I think the words do have power, and they should have power, and if you say them too often, then you rob them of their power, same as every other word. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's just in my own life, I, I think I, I do it too often. Uh, but I, that, I, I, would ag- I would agree in, in mine as well, yeah. Like, I, it, it, you just kind of, when, sometimes when people curse all the time, it just... It affects the way you view them. Leadership, you know, like, and there's no, really is there a necessary time to use a curse word. I, th- I think there's a lot of factors to go into it. Mm-hmm. And, as, and as you're more and more in a place of leadership, like, how are you going to represent? I don't know. Right. It's, it's a tough, it's a tough dilemma, but it's kind of like, I don't know, just be you, you know, like, yeah. but try to be a better you, not focus on like stop cussing, but just try to be the best you. And is the best you like. It's your best life now, Joel Steen. I did the Joel Steen. <laughs> oh, good. Yes, please. Yeah. Let's, uh, I, don't need, I don't know anything about let's that. Let's evoke man. that. Um, I like to name it and claim it with swear words. <laughs> but, uh, and so, um, Josh, I saw you looking through your notes. I, well, kind of uh, sort of piggyback, piggybacking off of that, we're talking about like... I like that you got notes. <laughs> Thank awesome. you. Um, like, it's piggybacking off of just the phrase, give a damn. What is it... We could maybe t- if you want to talk a little bit about what it means to you to give a damn about this situation. I think the film explores that, but uh, I don't know mm-hmm. if that's yeah. Because I feel like there there are different responses people can have, and like wh- what is really giving a damn, and what is being like, oh, that's too bad. Yeah, it is a tough question. I think to those who be given much, much is expected, mm-hmm. and I think levels of giving a damn. It can vary by what you're capable of doing. And the, our, if people get anything out of our movie, um, I ask that they, they, they ask themselves two questions. What breaks their heart and what makes them come alive? And then put those two together. And so I think that that is each person determining for themselves what it looks like. I don't even like to say – I don't like saying give a damn more than I have to, but like to give a damn, <laughs> to, to care, to, to – um, to, to act, you know, to fight fight injustice and, and poverty, I think it's to ask those two questions. What breaks your heart? What makes you come alive? And that's what it looks like for you. So for me, it looks like making movies that matter, that, that, that are about things that break my heart, that are about issues that break my heart. Um, you know, maybe for Tyler, I don't know, maybe it's about addressing issues you see in culture that need to be talked about that aren't... I, I don't want to speak for you, but it's like as I, as I assess, you can kind of see what people are doing with their time and you can kind of see what are they... What do they... What breaks their heart? What are they... Like, comes alive and are they doing it for good? Are they using that to impact the kingdom? Mm-hmm. It's something that actually, uh, as I mentioned, uh, we recorded an episode of Battleship Pretension already and and so the, that, the phrase that you just used, you said there as well and it got me thinking about the combination of these two things. And it's, I think it's a really good, I don't know. It's, it's a really good starting point of what breaks your heart. And I want to get the phrasing, right? What's the, what's the second part? We say, what makes you come alive? What makes you come alive? And, and since you're saying that, I'm thinking like, okay, am I, am I doing that? Because there's plenty of things that make me come alive and it's a lot of fun and that's great. Oh boy. Disneyland. 
I love Disneyland. There's no question about that. Um, it doesn't break your heart, though. I, not that I know. When I don't go to Disneyland, well, it breaks my heart. <laughs> every, pretty much every day, my heart is broken until those days I go to Disneyland. I'm like, I'm coming alive. So what Tyler got out of watching your movies is that he has to go to Disneyland more often. I will be going next week. Yes, very excited. So, um, but the thing is, like, I think a lot of us focus on that, and especially in... I can't believe I'm going in this direction, especially in American culture today. <laughs> yes, I am Phil Donahue. But uh, I think there's an emphasis on, on hey, you got to follow your passion. And there's nothing wrong with that. But to what end? I think the emphasis is to your end. And I think doing one without the other, in either case, is probably ill-advised. Because... Finding activists, break- activists always find what breaks their heart, and they make you, right. you know, why isn't this breaking your heart and your heart, and you're on the street just yeah. pointing at people that you don't even know and telling them to have their heart broken by 20 different things and overwhelming everybody, you know, so they, they're oh. ineffective, and they go from ignorance of an issue to despair because they don't stop anywhere to act because they're mm-hmm. overwhelmed. Overwhelming know? is exactly the word I was going to use, is that if you're only ever focusing on that, it will overwhelm you, and it will overcome you Yeah, to the point where, yeah, you just think... You're so focused on the thing that breaks your heart that you you realize, I'm just one person. Even if I do great things, it'll just be a drop in the bucket. I can't do anything to end this. And then it's, you know, then what good can you do? So I think combining the two of them. Because when you combine the two, when you do what makes you come alive, you see yourself impacting. You, in, you do something that you enjoy the process of doing it. Then you see yourself impacting. And it's just it's despairing when you see something like your rooms like really dirty mm-hmm. and you never pick up one shirt and you just sit there and like it's so dirty and it's just getting dirtier and dirtier <laughs> but you start you're picking up a shirt you know and you're like ah, this ain't so bad it's starting to look nicer you know and and just that imp- i don't I, I just come up with random analogies i don't know but impacting something makes it not feel so big i think mm-hmm. and I, th- I think the other good thing about it too is it uh, the way you're talking about it sort of focuses what you can do as a as a member of the kingdom and as as uh to help the world because there are so many things that need to be done in the world like there's no one of us there's no, all of us all together even can't fix all the problems in the world because we live in a fallen world but there are all things that we can do and so when we think about what what breaks our heart and what makes us come alive we can focus what it is that we can do to to help the and, world and i think christians are probably more likely to do the what breaks your heart thing mm-hmm. and to think we can just change everything and they don't stop to think like maybe you know i can only do so much like i'm not super Mm. christian i only have so much time so much energy i have people like really close to me that i'm responsible to and kind of letting themselves off the hook a little bit you Mm -hmm. know and saying like i've been given a specific gift maybe i should do that instead of like every time the preacher preaches about this different issue trying to tackle that that for a week you know yeah and really come up with a big bigger larger plan that they're investing themselves yeah. into and I, I had a friend who um she was very involved with uh with poverty in the u.s and, and trying to do all that she could but she used to get really depressed about it because it was she thought like how can i ever do everything you know to to help everybody and i think it was her her dad maybe reminded her that jesus said the poor you will always have with you meaning like that's always going to be a struggle it's never something that we can fix entirely but when we can like focus it to a to a spot or to like to a certain area or to like one thing that we can do for the poor or something like that then that, that i don't know that makes it more, yeah and uh, I, I think a couple of things on that idea of one just a little side note i do think we can end extreme poverty which is like we can make everybody have clean water we mm, can get rid mm, of they we can give mm, 
medicine for malaria. So it isn't like all types of poverty have to be there. But I think the right. poverty of, of choice, of bad decision, of bad things happening to you, like we'll never get rid of. And even mm-hmm. though if we get clean water in Africa, there's so many people poor making bad decisions because we're all human. Mm-hmm. But I think we can end extreme poverty and this is doable. So I want to say that as a side note. And then I want to say another thing is that I think Christians who they get overwhelmed, we forget that there's a God out there and that mm-hmm. we are not God. And it's, I think there's almost sin and sometimes in how we approach these issues because he's, he demands a Sabbath. He demands a day for you to rest. And so it's a day to see like the world keeps going, even though I'm not doing crap, you know, mm-hmm. like it still goes on. And I think that's the idea that I, I talked to this guy, um, James Orbinski, who was the character in triage. It was a documentary about, um, it's called it's about his humanitarian dilemma. But when the Rwandan genocide happened, all the other nonprofits fled and, uh, Doctors Without Borders, which he was the head of, came in. And so his job was as these thousands and thousands of people were being bought to his hospital, he had to either decide, yes, you can live 24 hours before we work on you. You need to operate right now or you die. You're already dead. And he's one, two, three was what his job was. And he would help so many people. And I saw him and I talked to him and I was like, how do you come home and teach and just be a dad? And you could be out there saving thousands and thousands of lives. You know, you have this gift. And he's like, there's can be plenty of doctors out there is what, what he said. There's plenty of doctors who could go out there and be that. There's only one person who will be the father to my kids. Mm-hmm. And that's me. You know, there's there's a, uh, I've got a couple of, uh, not so much analogies, but uh, observations. Uh, there's a podcast I listened to called Never Not Funny. It's a, it's a stand-up comedy podcast, uh, basically. And there's a comedian who went on, and I know that this is maybe the most basic thing a person could say, but for some reason the way that he said it just really impacted me. And... Uh, he was talking about going on stage, you know, performing and coming off and thinking and immediately thinking back and saying, like, that's about the best I can do. <laughs> and just but like, I mean, there are days you come off. It's like, man, I really I didn't do very well. But coming off and saying, that's about the best I can do. If there's someone who didn't like it. I was ne- then I was never able to reach that person. It's not, you know. If I'm if I can do my if I'm doing my best and there's still an element that is not affected then it was never up to me to 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 touch that element you know yeah and it's and then there's also and I'm sure you know we're all Christians so I'm sure we've all heard the light bulb analogy uh which is I I've often heard it when talking about like you know uh people becoming you know a friend of yours becoming a christian or something like that which is you know when you when you screw in a light bulb like you have to like give it several turns before the the electricity is flowing into it and i think a lot of us look at other people and in this case might look at a specific issue and just want to screw it in completely ourselves when in fact what we do and what we contribute might just be one turn and it's up to somebody else to do another turn or maybe several turns. And we get frustrated. It's like, oh, but we, but the light didn't turn on when I turned it. It's like, right, but we're one turn closer now. And it's, it's the idea of seeds and soil, like mm-hmm. getting mm-hmm. the, you know, C.S. Lewis talked about how Chronicles of Narnia got the, the ground fertile for seeds to be planted. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, it talks about uh, Paul planting the seed of Paul's waterings. I mean, we're these, God makes things grow. God makes things light up brings the electricity that light and we do the the different screwing moments and yeah i think that's i think that's what's what's the problem with christian films a lot of times is they think they gotta screw them all the way in they gotta 
make the soil, plant the seed, make it grow, and then boom, you know, plant mm-hmm. a bunch of other seeds. And it's like, art can just do one thing, you know? Yeah. Like, every film doesn't have to, like, bring this, you know, revival we, to we the We were whole just world. having a conversation about that recently, actually, about how sometimes Christians hold films to that standard. Sometimes Christian films, they want it to do everything. Like they'll see a movie. They can say so many things about God and be like, well, there wasn't a gospel message specifically. It's like, well, but there's not every movie has to have, you know, not every Christian movie has to have every point of the gospel. We have the Bible for that. Mm -hmm. And that's actually something that, uh, and I, I brought this up during our courageous episode. While I don't think fireproof is a good movie. And I would venture to say, I don't think courageous is a very good movie. Um, I do admire what they're trying to do in that, well, this is a movie about rebuilding your marriage. This is a movie about being a good father. Those are very specific. Now, within that, there's still a, you know characters who have conversions and such, mm-hmm. but the, the very direct uh, story is about a very specific thing. They're not trying to you know fix the whole world. They're trying to fix this part of it or equip you to fix it. And then if you do enough of that, then you you probably won't change the whole world, but you can certainly change yourself, your family, and friends, and it might and it'll just kind of get bigger and bigger. But you kind of need to tackle it one thing at a time because that's the most we can ever do. And so, um, so I want to kind of transition into um, into the film a little bit. And okay, we're doing good, pretty good on time. Um, because it's something that something that is interesting to me is that you know you're a filmmaker and you had a you have a heart for you know poverty and and you wanted to you know make a difference now some would say i'm not one of them but some could say and if it were me i might be one of them <laughs> um if i were in your position would say like well you can make a film from here like why would you want to put yourself in that position where you aren't eating a lot where you're you know where you're hungry you have headaches you're tired you're surrounded by you know by people that well you're just in a very kind of a a physically unhealthy environment and potentially dangerous environment like you know you could get hurt and in your case in a completely unforeseen way you did get hurt like did you ever think for you was there ever the option of not doing it this way just kind of making a film from a Sort of from a safe distance. I don't know. It's like, I was like, oh, I should have done that. You know, like, <laughs> I don't know why. That's a good point. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I mean, obviously, I don't know. For some reason, it never crossed my mind. Mm. Us not. I think originally it was going to be like, let's find the causes and solutions to poverty. But even then, I was like, I'm going to try to live on a dollar a day. I think it was basically... Michael Moore, mm-hmm. um, Morgan Spurlock, influenced. Yeah, it was like I wanted them to be connected to a character who went through something, mm-hmm. and I guess I just didn't know anybody but me, <laughs> you know, that would do it. I don't know. Like I just, you said you wanted the audiences to be connected to. I want an audience to be through. connected to this person struggling, mm-hmm. and I I don't I had had this di- I already had this dilemma I already had this wrestling inside of me that I wanted I wanted to play out and I'm like why don't I play it on a camera mm-hmm. is this why am I not doing anything how do I do something after I see it what should I what should I live like yeah do people who struggle like this are they closer to God that was actually a really big question for me is like if I struggle if I experience suffering it seems like 
suffering somehow leads you to God, and I kind of want to do that. And so there was a lot of – it was a film born out of my own wrestling, mm-hmm. uh, which I feel like a lot of good art is, is, is based out of something really personal, not like, let me find a good story. Okay, here's ten maybes. Like, I just don't ever see me making a film that way. Like, you know, maybe somebody who comes to me and approaches me and pays me to do that, but, like, my films are I feel like are going to be built out of something, some deep question about humanity that I've always wrestled with and trying to figure out a way to, to process that, you know. And – you know, it makes me uh, it makes me wonder. Like, as you were editing the film, because there is a lot of. I mean, you, you know, you're Christian, and and uh, this guy David is Christian, and Rob isn't. But the conversation comes up a lot um, because the three of you. I mean, you know, you're friends. But what's more is, in many cases, you know each other in a Christian context. Because as you mentioned, Rob, you know, was like a very heavily became a Christian. Was very hev- heavily involved in uh you know youth ministry and that's how you know you guys know david and so it just makes sense that you guys would have a lot of very spiritual conversations did you ever feel as though like as you were let's say editing the film excuse me um did you ever feel this this need to really play that up because well i'm a christian and we're talking a lot about christian you know christians and so like and we're, you know, we're making a film about poverty, but we could also incorporate a lot of gospel stuff in there, too. And there is some, as there naturally would be, but, like, did you ever feel a temptation to re- kind of maybe overemphasize that because you are a Christian? And if the answer is no, that's fine. I, I feel like it's a really good amount in there. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I, think I kind of wish I could put more... But really, Rob's kind of mild in the film, even, and and he did a lot more outlandish stuff. I really feel like I could, I wish I could flesh him out fully, mm-hmm. but it'd probably make the movie R, you know, mm-hmm. and um, it wouldn't reach as many people, and it would just, I don't think people are comfortable with that, you know, mm-hmm. mostly, like, it's just, just like, well, that's from some so Christian and so, like, you know, atheist at the same time, it's just, like, too much. I don't, I don't know. So I think I, I struggle with wanting to put more of rob's point of view in there hmm. it's almost like i fa- i found it a little more interesting like um a little more different mm-hmm. so as a filmmaker I, I mean is a christian is a christian i feel like there's some great moments where it just naturally like when david and rob get in this argument after we go to the gypsy slum and the girl who showed us around says you know wow they thought god had brought you here and it really seemed kind of crazy how everything worked out perfectly and rob's like there's no god and david's like he'll keep showing up you know and that that kind of I love that natural moment. And for me, that was like kind of the best apologetics because it just happened naturally. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. So I don't know. I don't, do you have ideas of where, like if you, if you look at the film, like, Oh, I can see how, you know, a Christian would want to put this in there or that in there. Was there certain things you would have, you think you would have put in there? Oh, I don't think I would have put it in there, but I definitely, like, I think, or where do you think, I think it's would've? the right amount. Um, I think probably in uh, the narration, I think, they could i think this is a film that they could have beeped out all the swearing and in the narration made it clear i mean you know you you directed the film you're in the film and you narrate the film so it's clearly your film it's from your perspective and you're a christian mm-hmm. so i think somebody else in that exact same circumstance might find it hard to fight the temptation to make this an overtly christian film where the narration <coughs> 
excuse me, where the narration uh, emphasizes what what the filmmaker believes to be true and maybe give Rob a little bit of a platform. But look, this is what we yeah. know is true. And I, and I like that you didn't do that. In fact, I, I, I find it interesting that your instinct is to incorporate more of Rob, you know, more the atheist perspective. I th- yeah. I mean, I think honestly, I feel like as Christ- Christians, we, we actually have really good, strong points mm-hmm. and like, the better the the if you can put the best points up of another argument and still defeat that, you know, not like I'm out to defeat Rob or anything like that, but just right. this idea that like, I don't know, like I'd want even more opposition to, to to for the I like being the underdog. I like it shine. I like the gospel shining through, and I'd like it to continue to shine shine through in moments. So, yeah, that's one thing I was thinking of, and then. Um, I, and I think the thing is a Christian filmmaker and the thing that really drove us was this idea of truth. Just tell the truth. Uh, Hitchcock said that, you know, in fiction film, the director is God, you know, with a little mm-hmm. G. But in documentary, God is the director. Hmm. And there's this idea that the story I had in mind was basically me taking Rob over there, showing him the povertyest of all poverty and him crying and just great tear shots flying down. <laughs> and like, that was what I came up with. And what God came up with was way better story if you would just writ fiction stories that was a better fiction story mm-hmm. and it, but it would just happen to be real and so if if an angel would have showed up in the plane crash man when i drove home that point of the angel if <laughs> if a uh, rob would have uh become a christian man would i've honed in and developed that idea mm-hmm. but i worked with the clay that i got mm-hmm. and i wanted to tell the truth i wanted to be honest with it and i've i saw a documentary recently i don't want to name it because i really loved it it had the best development of an of this issue a really important issue to my heart, but then it just switched all of a sudden and just talked about people's testimonies of becoming Christians and didn't, didn't, there was no relay into it and just Mm -hmm. the awkwardness of it. Like I totally believe both parts of it, but it didn't naturally flow. It wasn't telling the truth because it didn't connect the ideas and it just felt the film was so great up until that point. And I wish they would have connected. I I don't really, I love the film, so I don't want to dog it. So, but there's just, I I can talk to you about that later, but um, is that weird to like discuss out out of podcast type stuff on the podcast. Like, <laughs> no, like I want to be a part of that. And I don't, you know, maybe one person. I'm not sure if I like you uh, giving our listeners that voice. Okay. But, uh, they don't want to be a part of that. <laughs> Sorry. They are most, wow, that was a really gangsters. jerk move, huh? <laughs> well, they're really, what? most of our audience is 50 gangsters. So they do. Oh, really? That's, Chief Wiggum? I, uh, yeah, I think you <laughs> I mean, started going like, Chief Wiggum by way of uh, Eric Cartman a little bit there at the end. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, and so, well, you know, it's... Okay, go ahead. I was going to say, I think... Well, two things. One, I think it's good that you, you see a lot of, of Rob since he's coming from a different point of view f- from you and David being Christians. And that's interesting because I think it's effective because as Christians, we can get very insulated inside the Christian world sometimes if we're only surrounded by queer Christians and we go to church. And especially if we try not to listen to bad music or, or uh, watch bad movies or uh, read bad books or look at bad paintings. <laughs> but... Uh, but it's good to see someone who has a different perspective on that. Um, so I think that's effective. And then I'm, I'm curious, what what did Rob know about the movie coming into it? Like, did he have any idea that you wanted him to have that experience with the tears flying out when he when he hit the slums? Or, or? He, he probably did. I think he, I think he got that. And, you know, so he was a, a, aware of that. But he just 
not going to adjust himself for anybody, which is really, it makes him a really great character. And then he did say in the beginning, I'm not making a missionary film. Mm-hmm. I mean, there wasn't really the option to, I wasn't interested, I have not been interested in making one. I've, I just want, I want to tell raw, true stories because life is raw. The Bible's raw. The Bible's are, you know? So I've always wanted to, to tell raw, real stories because I think when you get in the depths of something, you're able to see more clearly see the the truth of something. I don't know. Or like Exorcism of Emily Rose, he talks about if I show them the devil, how can they not believe in God? You know, mm. it just it makes sense. And so, you know, he was like, I'm not making a mission film. I'm not making a Christian film. This is what it's going to be. And he he had a very heavy influence on it. I mean, the name was actually his idea. Um, much of the really good ideas, hitchhiking was his idea. A lot of the really great ideas are his ideas. And um, it was a team effort. It wasn't just me saying this is what the film's going to look like. I had the general vision for it, but so there, there, there was kind of that ahead of time mm-hmm. and letting him, and I wanted to do that. I'd seen a film, The Purple State of Mind, mm-hmm. do this where they just let everybody really, the Christian looked like, at one point, the Christian looked really bad because he wouldn't tell the other guy he thought he was going to hell. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you, your book says if I don't believe in this and don't believe that, and he wouldn't say it, you know, and you're like, wow, it, it seems like he's kind of not being courageous, you know, I mean, he's trying to to milk this issue, but the guy's like basically calling him out, you know, and you should never like, say to somebody that you know they're going to help you don't know anything about anybody's heart but just like that that wrestling where he would let himself kind of look dumb in this movie and then the atheist was allowed to be free and just the freedom of that was just so beautiful and like honest and i loved it mm. and so i never i always wanted to let rob be all rob just as much to let me be all me you know yeah how does he feel about the uh, the film as a final product i don't know if that's what you're that's exactly what i was gonna yeah. ask I, he's surprisingly proud of it i mean is um you know, I've heard a couple of people say this is, you know, a little too much Jesus in there, you know, and like, but other atheists have seen it and, and Rob's seen it. And I don't, I think they feel like it's fairly balanced. Like if I look at it, evidentially, I feel like we give Rob a couple really moments to just vocalize his opinion. Um, but I do feel like it's, it leans more towards Christians because, me, you know, the two of the three main characters are Christians and I'm the director. So I have the biggest influence. And so the messages, but I think a lot of the messages are not exactly Christian messages. They're just true. And, um, doesn't, you know, I think, you know, all truth is God's truth, but I think he's really, I'm, I'm so happy he's proud of it. Honestly, he's just proud of it. He loves showing it to people. He wants to show it to this atheist conference. And I don't, you know, like I was saying five or 600 people, um, at the Skepticon conference is the second largest atheist conference in the country. And we're like the opening act. They're going to show this movie and then we're going to have a discussion. Hmm. And this movie gets us in all great places because we are decently balanced. Hmm. I think they're gonna. It, from what I'm understanding, there's a lot more Jesus in it than he sees or is you, than he realizes. You know, he calls it the Jesus, like giving him the Jesus. You know, like Jesus is like this. Would it be then? I don't know, like an item, like a mm-hmm. like a object. But um, so yeah, he's he's really proud of it, which is the best thing you can hope for. Like as a documentary filmmaker, it's the scariest thing to think you made all this movie. Maybe they signed off on these releases, but when they see it, they're not proud of it. They're not behind it. And you're just feeling like every time I show this movie, I am breaking somebody's heart. Mm-hmm. I'm hurting a friend that I came to, someone I came to trust. And so the fact that like all of us are on board, it's one of the most freeing and relieving things that could have happened. Um, well, we need to start uh, winding down, but I wanted to, talk about uh various things uh the plane crash being part of it but not all of it um seeing the things that you've seen and experiencing the things that you've experienced i think it's only natural for someone who is a christian to ask what to ask why um and not merely 
why did why was I in this plane crash? Why were these two people, these two men killed in this plane crash? But also just seeing people in extreme poverty, people who, you know, are, you know, sick and die simply because of where they happen to be born and that they weren't able to get a certain thing that other people get without even asking. And so um, did you ever find yourself either in the moment or even now looking back on it and asking God, why does this, why does this happen? And don't get me wrong. I don't mean to say that like, that like, Oh, we should always be quite, you know, asking God why all the time. I do think it's not necessarily the worst instinct because either way you're still going to God. But, but yeah, it's, I, I don't mean to say that like, we should always be questioning God or that we should always, or that we should never question God, but in your circumstance, it seems like you would. And so did you, and if you did, like, how did you, how did you deal with that? I, I definitely did. I definitely did. Man, I learned, I mean, that's such a big question. I learned so mm-hmm. much. I learned that making a difference, you're not always going to feel it. And isn't like God's always going to give you the spirit of joy and you doing it. It's kind of like a marriage and you commit to it and you do it. I learned that I lose faith so easily. Like I see a lot of bad stuff happened, but a lot of really good stuff happened, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think people always talk about the problem of evil and they don't talk about the philosophical issue of the problem of good. And that so much good happened. So many, so many, we can make it. I've seen myself make a difference. I've seen other people make a difference. I've seen good things happen. And there's, there's a problem there. If this world's just naturalism and we're all, you know, you know, basically coming from unliving things to living things in this process, why are we doing such good things for each other? Mm-hmm. Why are we trying? Why why is there such joy when we make a difference? Why is there such joy when we love? Why is there? Why does doing good feel so good um, for other people? Not even myself. Why is loving someone other? There's there's a problem there, just like there's a problem with evil. And I think as Christians, anytime we get into apologetics, we need to, if you can, somehow effectively push the question back on other people. You know, and like, well, what about the problem with good? What about what about that? And so. And I just saw so many good things happen back to that kind of that point is that I really l- realized how quickly I lost faith, like how quickly as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his folly, mm-hmm. that I need to look back at what he's already done and see that it's worked out. And it, I think it will continue to work out. Even if it's not on the side of heaven, it will work out. Mm-hmm. I also learned that pain hurts really bad. And if there's no other reason than like to fight poverty, to fight injustice, fight sickness, is that God wants it on earth as it is in heaven, as he says in the Lord's Prayer. And I felt it and, and I didn't really glow closer to God. I just grew grumpy and angry and mean and unhappy and hungry and suffering just sucks. And, uh, to be specific, cause I'm not sure if we went into yeah. detail, what, uh, what happened to you well, in the plane? Crash? Yeah. Well, I fractured my L3 vertebrae. It's your third largest vertebrae cr- crunched like 40%, which was painful. But the mo- the majority of that I got over in a couple of weeks. I broke my collarbone, my finger. I got over that in a couple of weeks, but for about nine months, I had intestinal issues where I would eat for three days and feel great, and then I would be vomiting and in the ho- in the bed for three more days. And there was what's called a partial small bowel obstruction, where food was just not moving through. My, we, they found out basically my intestines were like a king toes, mm-hmm. and things were barely squeezing through. So I lost forty five pounds. They m- tried to mess with my diet. I, lo- I stopped eating sugar, dairy, gluten, and it was just miserable. And um, I lost forty five pounds, so much weight. I looked like somebody in extreme poverty in the Holocaust, and so. During that time, I just really learned about sickness, and I became 
a crappier person, honestly. Hmm. But I, I was really comforted by different books, uh, 90 Minutes Heaven being one of them. It's just like, it just happens. You, you do that and just realizing how bad pain is and it's not this great thing it's going to make you closer to God. I don't, it, it could and it could make you a worse person, I think. So, and the final thing I feel like I learned about suffering and pain is that just from that famous song, you know, like he gives and takes away, he gives and takes away, blessed mm-hmm. be the name of the Lord. And just this kind of radical idea that I'm a living sacrifice. He can do with me what he please. And giving into that and accepting that is a very freeing thing. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's like whatever comes my way, like I'm trusting that he's good, that he cares. I've seen him deliver and I'm in his hands. Life's not about me. Do with me what you will is kind of. You know, it's interesting that you bring this up because for no particular reason, uh, last night as I was laying in bed trying to fall asleep in vain, because that's what happens when I go to bed before 530, (laughs) um, I was uh, laying there and I was thinking rather in depth about uh, my wife dying. Uh, It's something I, listeners know that it's something I think about a lot and worry about a lot. And it's just, uh, and I feel like having gone through various grief experiences before, it's something that I can imagine pretty easily. Um, But, uh, and I do have that thought. It's like, if my wife died tomorrow, like, I like to think that I would would turn to God. Oh, sure, I'd be mad at him for a while. but, uh, But eventually I'd turn to God for comfort. But it's like in the back of my head, part of me is like, I, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like, like you said, pain in your case made physical pain made you like, you know, a crappier person. And I feel like emotional pain for me, especially something as big as that. It's just like, I like to think that I would act one way, but in actuality, I'm not sure I would. And, uh, and that's why like in the moment I found myself having to pray that like, first help me not to worry about this but also help me now before it happens to like do everything i can to resolve in my own mind that i will turn to you even if i'm incredibly angry at you uh speaking to god not you dan um (laughs) although i might be mad at you too just on principle but uh but yeah i feel like it's it's that idea that it can be applied to almost any situation um and it's scary, the idea of pain and the idea of loss and the idea of evil is scary, but I think it's it's something that if we allow it to, it can draw us closer to God. And it's I think a lot of us focus on that idea and actually Josh and I are in a in a small group together and we were talking recently about the idea of he gives and takes away and we always focus so much on the giving and it's like that's amazing. And then at the very idea of God taking away where that immediately makes us kind of indignant. Like what a jerk you gave and then you take away. Like that's kind of a, you know, I, it's a, this is an inappropriate term, but it's like that. It's like the Indian giver kind of concept, which we don't like failing to recognize that if somebody gives you something, maybe even for years and years, and then they take it away for reasons that are ultimately for good. All we see is that it's been taken away. Um, I didn't mean to go off on that tangent. I'm sorry. It's just something that I found myself thinking about. Good stuff. But, um, so we should probably wrap up, but let's find out more about, uh, where people, you know, how people can find out about the film. But right before we get to that, 
strange as this, this may be way too broad a question. In your opinion, regarding extreme poverty, whether it be in other countries or this country, what is something that someone can, that someone can do? I mean, whether it be give it to a specific charity or, or get the word out about a specific thing, like just, you know, I'm not in a position to go to Africa right now, financially or practically. Mm-hmm. So what is, what's something that I could do? Yeah, like I said, that, that what breaks your heart, what makes you come alive is kind of a broad idea and, mm-hmm. you know, but very specific things I think you could do. I, I think everybody should be giving, it's just my personal opinion, just throwing that out there, at least a dollar a day to fight global issues. A dollar a day, is a, it's a, it seems like a random number, but that's pretty much all those organizations. You want to sponsor a kid, dollar a day. It gives the kid education, health care, um, food. You know, a lot of them, you know, learn about God and, and, and that kind of thing. And so, or these microloans. Give a microloan a month, it's about $25 a month, you know. So there's a lot of things where just a dollar a day, and I think if we thought about it, and I think if we just gave up one thing for the joy like one dollar type thing a day for the joy of giving back to somebody and we were able to establish a relationship with this kid we sponsored or with these people we give a loan to, I think that's a great a great place just to start. Um, so great organizations are World Vision, Compassion, um, for like child sponsorship. Even Katie Davis, who's in our movie, they have child sponsorship if you're interested in that, amazima.org. And um, so those are great things. Microloans, Kiva is a great organization. You can go on there, give $25 loan. Okay. So there's some really practical steps. I, I, David's starting his own nonprofit that rescues women from sex trafficking. David from our film. And so you can go to whenthesaints.com. Mm-hmm. Learn more about that. Okay. All right. Um, and then as far as the film itself, it's doing the film festival circuit. Um, where is it? Heartland Film Festival? Yeah, world premiere at Heartland Film Festival. And then we're playing at St. Louis International Film Festival November 12th. Okay. And then there's about 25 other festivals I'm waiting to hear back from. Okay. Um, and uh, so, yes, if you live near St. Louis, let's say within two hours of it, go and uh, find out when the film is playing and, and go and, uh, and, go if, and see and it. And if you don't, we're actually on a tour. So I've done about um, 15 colleges, high schools, churches in the last uh, six weeks. Hmm. And we're continuing to do more all next year. We're planning on traveling, showing the film. So if you're interested in uh, booking us for an event, you can email us at giveadamdoc at gmail.com that's giveadamdoc at gmail.com and our website is giveadamdoc.com and then is there a uh, is there like a schedule of uh, upcoming screenings on uh, on the website no I wish we're working on developing the website we had an older website uh, that had a lot more information but wasn't as cool looking okay so now we got a cool looking website with not as much information it's like <laughs> so we're, we're just kind all of in the middle ground all style no substance yeah all style no substance we're just kind of in a middle ground there so we do have a Facebook group on there and that's kind of our most up to date information okay you can click on that on the website alright well Dan thank you very much for being here I appreciate it yeah this was, this was a lot of fun alright um, and uh, you can go to the website morethanonelesson.com you can follow me twitter.com slash more lessons you can follow josh at twi- the josh long at the josh long you can email me tyler at more than one lesson.com josh has an email address as well josh at more than one lesson.com and uh yeah once again dan thanks for being here i appreciate it and we'll get you next time